Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 2 this morning. Exodus chapter 2 is where we'll be. Well, today is a special day. As we've already said, it's Mother's Day. A time when we recognize all the things that our mothers have done or that our mothers do for us. There's so many things that they do. So many things that you do. So oftentimes they're the chief cook and bottle washer in the hall. They wash our clothes. They serve as a chauffeur. That's a hard word to say. Until we get our license. They bandage our cuts. Kiss our bruises. They serve as a counselor teacher, fashion designer. And you look around the world today, you see so many people that do these things for a living and get paid very well. But our moms don't do it for the money. They do it out of love. Mothers are quite possibly the most influential people in the world. A father is supposed to be the head of the household. But a mother is the heart of the household. In fact, our very existence would not have happened were it not for our mothers. We wouldn't have been born in the flesh without a mom. Listen to what some of these famous people have said in the past about their mothers. Our first president, George Washington, said this. All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Another former president, Abraham Lincoln, said this. No man is poor who has a godly mother. And then the comedian Buddy Hackett. Y'all, he was a little bit before my time, but Buddy Hackett... Speaking of his mother's cooking, you know, moms are usually the chief cook. Speaking of his mother's cooking, Buddy Hackett said this. He said, my mother, her menu always consisted of two choices every day. Like it or leave it. (laughs) Mothers have to know a whole lot of stuff about a whole lot of stuff. They have to know. There's a song that was popular back in the 1980s by Kenny Rogers, and that's where I get the title of this message this morning. If you looked in your bulletin, you thought, where is he going with this? The song was a gambler. And the lyrics said you have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, 
And some of you ladies probably have wanted to walk away and maybe even run. But that's where we get the title of this message this morning. As we look at a passage of Scripture from Exodus chapter 2, we're going to find the story of the birth of Moses. And we think about all the stuff that mothers have to know. We're going to learn from some truths from none other than Moses' mother. That we can apply to our lives that not just mothers, but all of us can apply. We look at those four letters from that word no, K-N-O-W, and we're going to make our four points from those four letters this morning. Let's read together in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for her. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now let's pray together. Father, speak through me this morning. Hide me behind the cross. Help us to glean from these verses the truths that you would have us to know. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give you a little bit of background. You flip back to Exodus chapter 1. I don't have to flip. It's on the same page there as as chapter 2 in my Bible. But the Israelites had been in Egypt for over 300 years. You remember how they got there? They got there by the famine that brought the family there. Joseph was already there, you remember. We talked about Joseph at length last year, but Joseph was already there. And he saved that family by having the food and saved, basically saved the nation of, of Egypt. And so they had been there, and when Joseph was there, he was second in charge, or first the prime minister basically right under Pharaoh. But scripture says in that previous chapter there at Exodus chapter 1 that a new king in Exodus 1 verse 8 says a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power. And he was terrified by the fact that these Israelites had begun to multiply. And their numbers were growing. And he was afraid. And so he came up with a plan to try to curb the birth rate. By putting him into slavery. Harsh labor the Bible says there. Thinking that that would 
slow the birth rate. I saw on the news this week that the birth rate in the U.S. declined for the first time, the biggest drop this year in 2020, previous year, over the past 50 years. Now, some of that they say is due to the pandemic. Some of it's due to financial uncertainty. Some of it's due to just uncertainty about everything. All the rights and things. I'm sure, you know, I have thought it, and maybe you've thought it, I fear for my kids and what, what kind of world that we're going to leave them. And so they say that a lot of those factors went into the fact that the birth rate declined. We're actually in what they call a, what do they call it, a, a, a net decrease or, or they had a, we're, we're at a birth rate that's below replacement, they say. We had less people being born than people dying, going backwards, at least last year. And so that's what Pharaoh was thinking he would do to stem the birth rate was to put them under harsh conditions and make them think twice about having another child. But it didn't work. It didn't work. So then he got, got the midwives and he said, okay, we're going to do this another way. Plan two is to kill all the baby boys when they're born. But they didn't do that either. That didn't work. So then he had to go to plan three. Plan three was... He says he went out, went out and gave the, the edict to all the people. It says in verse 22 of chapter 1, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. He's going to cut it by half. So that was the law of the land at the time that we see this family. We're introduced to Moses' parents there in the Exodus chapter 2. Now we're not told their names here, but in Exodus chapter 6 we're told their names. His father's name was Amram. His mother's name, Jochebed. J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D. You don't hear that name much. But that was his mother. Now we know something about this husband and wife team from Hebrews chapter 11. It doesn't name them by name there, but it says there that in Hebrews 11 there in that Hall of Faith, they're the Hall of Fame. They're listed and commended for their faith. So we know that this was a faithful couple. We know something about the condition of the spiritual condition of the Israelites at this time. Even though they were Israelites, they were Hebrews, they were in Israel or in, in Egypt, but they had begun to follow other gods. Because in Joshua chapter 24, when Joshua assembled all the people together, and in verse 14 of that chapter, he said, Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So we know that the conditions had deteriorated among God's chosen people. They were following foreign gods. But we know that this couple here, Amran and Jochebed, were faithful. They were faithful. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, it says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, it says. They, don't, they weren't afraid of the king's edict, what the scripture says. They weren't afraid of the king. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10 and verse 28, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. But be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell, speaking of himself. Amrad and Jochebed, they didn't fear the king. They were looking past the king of Egypt. 
and looking to the King of Kings. So that's this couple that we're seeing this morning and we see that they were in this position where they were pregnant. They didn't know whether they were going to have a boy or a girl. At this time you couldn't tell until they was born. They didn't have all the modern technology that we have today. So the first point I want to make, we look at that word know. They wanted to know. They needed to know what to do. We need to know what to do. First letter of that word know is the letter K. And I would point you to the fact that we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying for our children. We need to keep praying for God to show us His will. When I look at Jacobet and Amred, I we know they were faithful. And I'm sure there's not a one of us in here in this room when we found out we were going to have a baby. Didn't start praying for that child right then. Probably even before the child was on the way. We were praying. We're to keep praying. We're not told specifically in Scripture, but you can kind of glean there since they were a faithful couple. You know they talked to God. They had a 50-50 chance. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but if I had been in that situation knowing that a baby boy was going to be killed, well, I'd have been praying for a girl. Earnestly praying for a girl. They already had two children, Aaron and Miriam. What a household. We look at, think about all the things that those three kids that came out of that household were responsible for. And they had another child on the way, not knowing whether he'd live or die. But they had to keep praying. They had to keep praying. Can you imagine the added stress of knowing that if it's a boy, he's got to be thrown in the Nile River? We're to pray about everything. Philippians 4 Verses 6 and 7 says these words, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. We're to pray about everything. Some of you ladies can probably relate to this. I found this, it was kind of funny, I laughed out loud this week. It was a prayer of a wife and it said these words dear Lord I pray for wisdom to understand my husband I pray for love to forgive him and I pray for patience for his moods because Lord well if I were to pray for strength I'm afraid I'd beat him to death <laughs> we're to pray about everything we're to pray without ceasing First Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 we're to keep praying for our children Seeking God's will. A godly mother, a godly father, a godly person is going to keep praying. But the second thing, second letter of that word, no, is the letter N. That stands for nurture. We're to nurture our children. Jochebed nurtured Moses. She hid him for three months. The definition of the word nurture, that's sort of an old word. It says to care for or to encourage the development of something or someone. She nurtured. We need to be nurturing our children. 
She kept him safe. She kept him three months. Because she knew he was special. Now, Exodus chapter 2 says that he was a fine child. Hebrews chapter 11 mentions of Moses. He was no ordinary child. I wonder if they had some inkling of the idea of maybe this child was destined for greatness. We're not told. But they could see that he was no ordinary child. They knew God had a plan for him. But they didn't have an idea what it was. And maybe you've done this. I know I've done this with our girls. When they were little. Rock them to sleep. And ponder in your mind. What great things God has in store for them. What will they accomplish in their life. I still do that. Not the rocking part. But the, the pondering and the wondering. We've got to nurture our children. We've got to know when to hold them. Jochebed knew she needed to hold Moses as long as she could. Scripture says she hid him for three months. We've got to know when to hold them. We've got to nurture them. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, the King James Version says it this way. It says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy 6, says, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We're to nurture them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 is another verse that says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. We're to keep praying for our children. We're to keep nurturing our children. We've got to know when we hold on to them. But then there comes a time when we know we've got to let them go. There's a time when we have done all we can do. Jockey bed, he had Moses for three months, it says, nurtured him there, three months, and she knew that she couldn't hold on to him anymore. And so she knew it was time to let him go. She had to trust God. And so the third letter, the third thought I want to lay on your heart this morning, the letter O, we offer our children up to God. Offer them up to God. We've got to know when to fold them. Scripture says that she placed him in that papyrus basket and she coated it with tar and pitch inside and out and she set him in the reeds in the shallows. I've seen some pictures this week of what they're talking about. Some versions say bulrushes. So I pulled up bulrushes in the River Nile and it looks like cattails or common stuff we see around the edges of rivers today. So she puts him in a basket and sets him in the edge. She's obeying the king, but she's putting him in the edge there, putting him in the river. And I know she had to be praying about it. But she knew she had to let him go. She could no longer protect him. We need to start offering our kids up to God from the moment they're born. It's not a one-time thing. We have to offer them up to God again and again and again. Think about the first time we leave them with a babysitter. First time we drop them off at preschool. We lay them in God's hands. We've done all we can do. It's a new game. We think about 
when there's high school graduation, we'll see that coming up these next few weeks. Offer them to God. You've done all you can do. Graduation, marriage. Over and over and over again. We need to be offering up to God our children from the moment they're born. Praying over them, nurturing them, and telling Him, Lord, you do your will in their life. Psalm 127 and verse 3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. Like a quiver full of arrows. But arrows don't do any good if you keep them in your quiver, do they? A warrior with a quiver full of arrows, unless he lets them go, they don't do any good. We need to take our time and pray over our children, nurture our children, sharpen those arrows. So when it comes time to let them go, when it comes time to offer them up to God, and we send them out into the world, then they make a difference. That's what we're to do. Keep praying for them, nurturing them, and offering them to God. And then the final thing, final letter of that word, no. It's the letter W. It stands for watch. When we've prayed for them, when we've nurtured them, when we've offered them up to God and sent them out into the world, and we just stand back and watch. Watch with amazement as God un- God's plan unfolds for their lives. We see here in this passage, Jacob had held on to him for three months. She knew she had to let him go. Puts him in the river. Has Miriam standing over watching from the side. And lo and behold, none other than Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe in the river. The very person, the very household that had decided that all boys were to be killed. Pharaoh was so worried about being overthrown by the Hebrews. And God in his wisdom and in his plan takes the the man that would actually lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's reared in that household. He's educated and he's fed in the household of Pharaoh's daughter. But Jochebed didn't know this when she put him in that river. She had no idea what God's plan would be. She just had to trust him, put him in that river, trust God and stand back and watch. She was amazed, I'm sure, when she got to nurse her own son for a whole lot longer. She got to nurture him for a whole lot longer. She got to tell him all about God for a whole lot longer. I'm sure she had no clue how amazing God's plan was going to work out. And she had no clue, and I, I doubt she lived to see Moses be the one to lead the children out of Israel, out of Egypt. See, God had a plan. What a mighty God we serve. That he would work all that out. When we trust Him with areas of our lives and turn over to Him, He'll make a way. 
Paul writes this in the Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That's our God. When we trust him and surrender something to him, he's going to come back exceedingly and abundantly more than we ever expect. You just have to stand back and watch. Watch with amazement. Like Jochebed, we need to be mothers and fathers of faith. We need to be grandmothers and grandmothers, fathers of faith. You may not have children of your own, but you can be a spiritual parent of faith. Lead someone to Christ. Offer to guide someone, nurture someone. Pray over them. Lead them to the Lord. Help them to see that they can be a living sacrifice for God. God sent His Son Jesus to die for us so that we might live for Him. But without Jesus, we would be nothing. We'll stand and sing those words in just a minute. Do you know Him today? Please don't turn Him away. If you don't know Him, you can know Him this morning by asking Him to come into your heart. Change your life. And He will do that. Just keep praying. Keep nurturing. Offer yourself up to God as a living sacrifice and then stand back and watch as He does what He does so well. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the witness, the record of the witness of Jochebed and Amrad, Lord, in the, in the Word. And we're grateful for the lessons that You teach us, Lord. Help us to be men and women of faith, mothers and fathers, serving you and leading others to Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.